0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com. I'm Rohelio Castillo, is Chris Uper joining us just now. Uh, there he goes, and I'm not sure. Okay, there we go. There's Uper and John and Chris. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And the Hot Take artists, you can also find us also over at WoodwardSports.com. Just letting you know that for that if you want the latest Hot Takes and clickbait stuff, we're the place for you. Anyway, so tonight on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Valley Sports bankruptcy. Some Tigers might be potentially losing some revenue with that, with that whole deal. The Tigers also signed a Gold Glove second baseman to a minor league deal. And then MLB Pipeline Top 100 came out today. Tigers featured three players on that. And just really also, again, talking about we've interviewed Cole Keith. We interviewed Justin Malloy, and it was some some of our best stuff so if you haven't please subscribe over to the tiger Mile report youtube channel and it's a long way also please subscribe to woodward tigers is we are at a strange number when it comes to subscribers and so i'm just gonna i'll let the the visual who's ever watching right now first and foremost welcome everybody who's watching us on youtube and i'll let it sink in right now where we're at we're yeah, that's that's our number right now. We're at six hundred and sixty six followers. So if that's we get right. a new follower, we won't be devil, we won't be devil worshippers or but yeah, anyways. Such an evil number, but uh, stop sharing that. But anyway, so yeah, there's a lot to get to this evening as again the, the Tigers signed. It was just kind of unexpected too, because I thought he was signed for a minimum contract. And to me, it's it's a I like it. I like the fact that we have the Tigers are bringing in a veteran like Cesar Hernandez who has won a gold glove. He's a couple years away from having, two years ago, he had 20 home runs. And maybe it's one of those things where you look at who they have at second base right now. Of course, they have Jonathan Scope, but maybe it's just a little, a little competition doesn't hurt at all. But it was just weird to see a 68-point drop in slugging percentage. But
1: gentlemen, guys, what did you think of the move? Go ahead. He was one of the guys I actually, I wrote a, an article on Woodward, I don't know, two months ago about potential third base options, third base, second base options. And he was one of the guys I mentioned as a potential, like, low budget uh-huh. option. And that's what they got. Like you said, his offense completely fell off a cliff. Honestly, I didn't even know he won a gold glove in 2020. That was as a 60-game season or whatever, so uh-huh. who knows. But, yeah, I was a switch hitter some defensive versatility a little bit. I think he's played a little bit of third base. He's mostly a second baseman. I think, I want to say he's played a little bit of outfield, too, maybe. But I don't know. I, I, I think one of the things the Tigers have done this offseason is is quietly add a lot of depth to the system. Not necessarily outstanding depth, but they're they they they're not going to get caught with nobody to play at any position, right? They brought in Nevin. He's a third base, first base guy. They they brought in Vierling and Maton and, and they got Malloy and all these guys. So, yeah, I, I think... It's just, just adding more depth to the system, which will help when the inevitable injuries come. And I, I don't I don't expect Cesar Hernandez to win the job out of spring training, but we'll see. What about you?
2: It's just a lot of those low budget insurance signings. Certainly there's no reason to really criticize it in any stretch. It's a minor league contract, they're really not on the hook for much. If he if they have a need for him, he's available. He's a ten year veteran. He's gonna be thirty three next year, so you can't expect a ton. But if they just need someone to fill a spot, whether for a few weeks or a couple months, he can probably do that. He's hit some home runs in the past, stole some bases when he was younger. So obviously he's a decent athlete. But at the same time, you can't expect a whole lot either. I think in his 10 seasons, he's had three of them with an OPS plus over 100. So he's a guy that can fill a spot and, and, and give him a little bit of insurance. And all teams need to sign a couple guys like that.
3: Yeah. I back up for you. He was younger than I thought, honestly. I didn't know he was only 32 years old, but I don't know. He hit one home run in 560 at bats last year. Just looking at some of his numbers, he did have 28 doubles and four triples, and uh, he did lower his strikeout rate last year, which I don't know how much that plays into him getting a contract. But like I said, I don't think you can have enough depth. I'm sure he's going to see some time at the majors, and I think he'll be a serviceable player. And that's all we really need out of a signing like this.
0: Yeah, another thing you can look at, too, he did raise his batting average to 248. But the most important number is his batting average against lefties, which is 282. So uh, uh, against right-handers, it's only 232. So 282 uh, lefties for Mm -hmm. what the Tigers would need him for. Absolutely. I think that's it's a good move, and it's one of those things where, yeah, as uh, MetalBug99 says it best on chat, he's good enough to play the majors. And that's all you can ask for, because right now Mm -hmm. you have the uncertainty of what they have with Andre Lipsius, Kreidler. Again, some of these names are unproven
2: a little bit, just unproven. That's all I'm saying. We, I would obviously to me, anyway, the hope would be one of the young kids grabs the job and, and looks good. And we never see Cesar Hernandez sticking that bat this year. I'm good with that. But, He's the kind of guy that you shouldn't have in your system when you need somebody to fill a spot. He's 33 years old this year. That's at the age, we saw it. He went from 21 homers to one. He's at that age where the mid-level talent guys can start to lose it. Yes, that, that could happen. Now, you're not allowed. I know in, in Tiger Nation, you're not allowed to talk about Placido Polanco in a bad way. That, that's sacrilege. But at 33, from that point on, he wasn't that good of a ball player. Okay, Cesar Hernandez could be that same thing, or he might have one more year on a tank, and this is when the Tigers find it. That'd be good too.
3: Yeah, one thing I'm reading is he did actually make more starts in left field than at third base. He had ten starts in left
0: field last year and eight at third base. So
3: do it that which you like. Oh, yeah.
0: uh, again, but it fits in what Chris was saying, right? And Chris, this is another example of
1: finding players that can play all over the field. It certainly seems like the Tigers are going to go out there and. It's something we've talked about what the, the Giants did. They they played a matchup game that was more more advanced than any we'd seen before where people eventually determined they were they're matching their lineups to their their swing paths to arm angles and things like that. And I can picture the Tigers, you know, if Hernandez makes a 40-man or not, they still have enough multi-positional guys that they can really... And I think Hinch likes this. I think Hinch likes to run out there with a different lineup every day. <laughs> um, but I could see them mixing and matching guys all season based on the pitcher on the other team or the team in general. And yeah, Hernandez would give him another option like that. Yeah. And it, again, it's one of those things where I look at it as he
0: was going to go in the camp and he has an opportunity. And again, it's just any positions open. I'm not saying ne- uh, every position, but in shortstop, first base, but again, maybe that's what it is. Just a, a little competition breeds excitement. So this move, I, I still think, in my opinion, I still think there's something else coming. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I mean, again, it's just maybe like a voodoo thing or something like that, but there, it just seems <laughs> I, quiet. Go ahead, Chris.
1: We're two and a half weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting the spring training. And we've talked a couple times, I don't know if we talked on the show or at least privately about there's still some relievers out there. Fulmer's out there, Chaffin's out there. And Ken's wrote, Ken Rosenthal had an article about how the left-handed relief market kind of got screwed up by the Phillies and Dave Nabrowski because they gave Matt Strom two years and $15 million or something like that, and, and he wasn't as good as Chafin or some of the other guys, and so they're probably wanting the similar amount of money and know other teams are biting. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that we may still see one bigger move from the Tigers uh, in the next month or two. I don't know. I, I, I also get the feeling that they're never going to stop making these small moves it's not going to be like a point during the season where they're going to be like, "Yep, yeah, we're done." No, they're just yeah. constantly going to move. And, and I think they saw it, if Hernandez does make the team, it's only one point five million. So, yeah, and there's, there's like, like a, a
0: certain cutoff time to where it's to be up, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's usually the case with with big leaguers who get to minor league invite to spring training. So, there's there's absolutely no downside to this. Right? Yeah,
3: dude, um, Brian Anderson, he get two or two three million,
1: right, from Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. or. Uh, I
3: think it was three. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, do you like this deal better than giving three million to Brian Anderson?
0: Absolutely. I, I think from from my from my point of view on Anderson. Look, I wanted the Tigers to go after Anderson, but then looking at it more more in depth, he can't stay healthy. And so, I think that if you, if you notice the theme here throughout throughout what the Tigers are doing right now, that health is not the already the pitching staff's been depleted already. So, I think positional players speaking, I think they're trying to aim for more healthier potties. And so for anybody that has an injury history, if you noticed a little bit, they don't really, I haven't seen the Tigers kind of targeted towards anybody with that kind of history so far this offseason. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I look at Hernandez as more of a second baseman, whereas Anderson was more of a third baseman outfielder, even though we just talked about Hernandez moving around. So I I view him as different players, but I'm roughly as excited about this as I would be about Brian Anderson. Yeah. I, yeah, there's a reason he's only getting a minor league invite to spring training. He's been, I like, think he was like bottom of the barrel in terms of hard hit rate last year. Uh, as you were saying, his bat might just be done, but it's not a bad gamble to see if maybe he worked on some things in the off season or it was just is up for his dead cat bounce, as they say. He, we don't know.
2: He might have had a bad thumb or something. Yeah, Stuff like that happens. He just played through it, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean it's something like what happened with Bias last year, when you have that thumb injury and he came back with a better second half of the season because he was healthy. So yeah, it, it could be a number of things with that. But speaking of the pitchers, one of the things too that I find interesting about Andrew Chafin, there's a certain Twitter account that's been really on, and really off about rumors. That's the one I showed you, Chris, yeah. the other day, where they they talked, Chafin's talked to the Angels about a contract, and then some. I think today they said it was. Jackson Profar is looking for a uh, three. Tigers are talk with him for a three-year deal, and I'm just thinking to myself,
4: it doesn't it doesn't
0: seem like right. That doesn't. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna post that tweet that I found earlier, but it was. I, I don't know. I I found that kind of rumor is like one of those days where I'm just like, I don't know if there's any smoke to that too. And there was another one too where the Tigers were interested in trading for. Uh, or, now I'm drawing a blank on who it is. Bobby the Red Sox. Dahlbeck. Yeah, Bobby Dollback. Yeah, Dollback. Yeah, it's they're so
5: tough you know, because.
1: There are a lot of accounts out there that will just throw out random trade ideas or rumors because they sound vaguely plausible. Yeah. And I don't know that that one account you're talking about has a fair number of followers and, and I don't know. I They've been right about a, a few thing. things. Yeah. But you yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So. We do remember the the great, the great day when some fake account mentioned the tiger signing mm-hmm. Prince Fielder and then it was debunked, And then yeah. 30 minutes later, the tiger signed Prince Fielder. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but I don't know. In terms of any other minor league deals, do you think there's anybody else out there? Because I was looking, I remember you guys mentioned like Chad Green, there's Cram El Reyes, Danny Duffy. Is there any names you guys are familiar with that yeah. could bring in
1: on a minor league deal? Yeah, I wouldn't mind Duffy on a deal. I, I think Chad Green is out for the year. Yeah, for- he's going to have surgery, yeah. Yeah, so it would be like a, like a two-year deal or whatever where you get him for cheap this year. Yeah, we'll see. Probably three, four more kind of veteran name guys come in on a, a minor league deal. That's just how it goes every year. Like I said, I like the name Duffy, although I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to what he's been doing. I remember he got traded to the Dodgers, but I don't think he even pitched for them. Oh, that was last no. year, or the year before. I, I have to look into that. Fran Mel did get signed by the Cubs too. I
5: believe that's,
2: yeah. I, I'm sure they're going to keep all their options open and, and, and... I think about anybody that comes over the wire. JD Martinez. When did he get cut loose? I mean, that, so I, I would think right up through the middle of March. We're going to see a lot of names come and go.
3: Yeah, Matt Moore's out there.
1: No, yeah. Former. I had a, uh, I, I was doing a, a Tigers franchise in the in the show one year, and Matt Moore got injured. He had a skull fracture. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! After the year with a skull fracture. And and that was like the same time he actually was done with the Tigers after what, two starts. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, know. Think, to your point, I think there are people who signed with other teams too, that will create another player on gets, gets DFA and maybe the Tigers go after him. I, I think a couple of days ago I saw that AJ Alexi was designated by, I think the Rangers. Is that who he's, he he was once a pretty interesting pitching prospect. He was involved in the U Darvish deal, really good arm, just couldn't throw a lot of strikes. And it's like, there are a lot of guys out there like that that the team might think that they can, can make some simple tweaks to. But
5: yeah,
3: Alex Rays is still out there. I'm a bit surprised by that.
1: It, it seems like a lot of these relievers are, are still – teams are playing the waiting game on them.
3: Yeah, But I feel like the Tigers need another left-handed reliever. Like In the bullpen, in terms of lefties, I'm really drawing a blank right now in terms of who they have.
1: Your are
0: long man. So they signed – so as far as how they – dressed that a little bit in the offseason with a couple of minor league signings with yes yeah, Hunter. So Hunter yeah there's there's Hunter I mean there's the there's a lucky pitcher they signed to a
1: starter I was trying to think of the starter um, like Chase Shreve. Chase,
3: Chase yeah yeah they,
1: then you know they got well, Jake H- Higgin, Higgin both of them in the mm-hmm. uh, in the Joe Jimenez trade I don't know if you count oh, him, but it's another yeah. body yeah
0: there's I, a there's also uh, which pool it was interesting that I didn't even think about this for a lefty that could was in Arizona Fall League. It's Matt Walker. So uh, he, might, he might be a guy that he's on the older side. He's 24. And who knows, maybe he just comes out of nowhere in, in spring training or something like that. But I, I, that's just, that's more or less a little too far-fetched.
2: My opinion well, well, of these, but... Matthew Boyd's not guaranteed a spot in rotation. He could be in the bullpen. He pitched out of the bullpen before last year for Seattle. Uh, to me... Just get a good pitcher. Identify somebody who's a good pitcher. Righty, lefty, don't care. I, I'm not a big matchup guy. I just want somebody to pitch. So if they if they sign Michael Fulmer, that's fine with me too. But well, something that was brought up in another chat, and this is, I'll, I'll, this is
0: why I wanted to do the starting rotation 1.0, throw that out there as who we like in the starting rotation come opening day. But credit to, I think it was Keenan and Mark in our other chat that talked about Spencer Turnbull having him come out of the bullpen. So I wanted to throw it out to you in, in the chat too, as well. Do you think Spencer Turnbull will be a guy that would come out of the bullpen? Because he doesn't have an explosive fastball. It would allow him to have some longevity a little bit based off coming up on surgery and air it out a little bit. But I know he's one of those guys who wants to be a starter, but I'm just curious what you guys
5: think. I see no problem
2: with it. If he, they use him as like a 2 3 inning guy, build him up slow. Maybe he turns into something really good out of the bullpen, but if it's for longer outings and there's building up his arm strength like Earl Weaver used to do with rookies, that's, that'd be fine.
3: Yeah, it's like an opener in a way. Kind of how they, how I guess Tampa kind of started that, but I think he's going to probably need to find a way to work work his arm strength back up. So coming out of the bullpen and being a long reliever is probably a better option than having him be a starter.
1: Yeah, one of the interesting things is, is is scouts were projecting Turnbull to the bullpen basically since he was drafted. You know, yeah. he became a different pitcher throughout pro ball, and and he was always a guy. He was on like prospect list, but he was never considered really a top prospect. But he kept finding success, kept avoiding home runs because. And we eventually found out, like, oh, he's got some serious like seam shifted wake stuff going on. His change up, his his fastball, his slider, they're all funky. I could I could definitely see him be turning into Uh, a hard-throwing back-of-the-bullpen reliever. It's very possible. He had a mid-'90s fastball, would touch higher. His slider at times looked really, really good. So I could see it. And the Tigers do have some interesting other starters that they could go with. Like we talked about Joey Wentz at the end of last year looked like a legit big-league starter, almost like a mid-rotation starter. So you got Manning, you got Boyd, you got Erod, you got the guy who I always want to call Tucker Barnhart, Lorenzen. Brisky, uh, Yeah, Brisky's there, Fieto should be back. They're going to have a lot of bodies, so it, it may end up being that if Turnbull struggles maybe in, in spring training, that they give him a shot out of the bullpen, at least to begin the year.
0: And in
3: terms of lefties, we we brought back Boyd, we talked talking about Fulmer. Does anyone have any interest
0: in Daniel Norris, or is he just not? His numbers were really good, but some of his strikeout numbers last yeah, year he was really I feel I'm surprised he hasn't been signed or given a flyer
1: somewhere. I'm, that does surprise me a little bit. I know.
0: He's only 30 years old. I thought he was pretty decent for
3: us last year.
1: Yeah, he's another guy who I, I could picture getting a minor league deal somewhere and, and very possibly in Detroit. I've had my issues with Daniel Norris over the years. It's, it's also possible that he is just unavailable right now. Maybe teams have been trying to contact him, but he's somewhere in the Grand Tetons digging up. Space rocks or something, (laughs) but yeah, I I don't know. Like we were saying earlier, it seems like the teams are really waiting out the relief market, and they're they're trying to get these guys on bottom bottom of the barrel deals, and and maybe that'll work out for the teams. I don't know. I I, we we talked discussed a while before. If the Rogers always been a fan of Adam Wolf, and and you never know, he was down in Double A, he could go up to Triple A, maybe next thing he's pitching out of the bullpen in Detroit. I guessed maybe a Brent Herder. Who was a lefty that made it up to Double A last year, and and once he got to Double A, they started pitching him out of the bullpen. He's like a left-handed Alex Fido. Do you know he could be, come up and be a reliever too? It, it's they got a lot of options. It's just sorting it through sorting them all out in spring training that's gonna let us know.
3: There's uh there's a guy named Zach Britton who's a free agent. Talk about falling off the map. He's only thirty four years old, but a couple of years ago, he was one of the better left-handed relievers in baseball.
1: He had a pretty serious injury, right? In no, he did shoulder? I think it was a shoulder injury, yeah, and then he came back, he pitched like four games for the Yankees last year, I think. Yeah. And then... and then was shut down again. That That's another guy that you you could see a team signing him maybe to a big league deal, but a very like incentive-laden deal. Mm. Or or team giving him like, hey, a, a show-me deal, a minor league invite, and if you make the team, you get this amount of money. Five, six years
2: ago, that was one nasty pitcher.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had one of the highest ground ball rates I've ever seen. I think it was like 75-80%? Something absurd with his yeah, lefty sinker.
3: Cy Young's season in
1: 2016,
3: he got some consideration for
1: it. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, that was a monster bullpen season.
0: And there's another thing too about the some of the minor league stuff that, in terms of players out there.
1: Matt Walker, by the way, did not
0: pitch in the AFL, so maybe they use intended and to. And I think he got it replaced now that I dug a little deeper on that. That's what I was looking for. But in terms of even another guy, you could see possibly getting an invite out there among the pitchers. And I know, I think it's, I was trying to think of was the, the former, a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. is out there still. And I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't got thrown at least a minor league
1: contract or something to that effect. And, I, and I'm, I don't know how effective he would be, but just curious. That is the one thing that, that it does seem like the Tigers haven't done is, is go out and get a veteran or backup like pure outfielder. A lot yeah. of guys who can play outfield, but we haven't really seen somebody who is a pure outfielder. So that that could be one of the final moves. I don't I don't know. I don't picture them going after Jackie Bradley Jr. He is really just a, a, a glove in center field now. And I think they want to give Riley Green as much time as possible. But it would be nice to have a veteran backup there for sure.
5: Robbie
0: Chris. No. <laughs>
1: no. No. Time to move on from that. But
0: so starting rotation wise, one I'm gonna I'll take the first crack. Take the yeah, I'll take the first crack at the the rotation. And so based off what I've been in the conversation, and anybody in the chat can also give their what they think the starting rotation is going to be. So my first rotation is gonna look something like this. I think Arallo Rodriguez. I think you it's gonna be Matthew Boyd. I think Matt Manning,
5: Michael Lorenz, and I think the fifth starter.
0: I think uh, honestly, I go with Wilmer Flores wins the spot out. Okay. I, I, I look. I know this sounds like make a quote Top, unquote, top, top, top prospect. Wilmer Flores. Flores, yeah, top prospect Wilmer Flores. I think I think Erod's going to be up there for sure, but I, I think Wilmer Flores comes out of nowhere and wins that fifth spot again. That's just maybe that's just me being a little foolish, but I don't know. I, I think that if and then you put what, what about Brisky? What about Turnbull? Let him loosen the bullpen or have them be the sixth and seventh starters, if you will. We have a couple of them here. Michael Myers, Michael Mayer says, on Manning, Boyd, Turnbull, and Lorenz.
1: I think I would go with, yeah. I mean, that's, so, that's that I think, think that's the, Chris? yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the presumed starting five. So it probably won't be that because you know, things go wrong in spring training. But as of right now, that would be my guess. Maybe not in that order. I think Turnbull might be, behind Boyd just because of coming back from an injury. But I wouldn't. it wouldn't shock me also if, like you said, they, they use a de facto or even a real six-man rotation this year just because they, they do have a number of arms, and there are a lot of guys that they probably want to manage their innings a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think with the new staff, too, new training staff and what have you. And, again, that's the reason why I say something like Flores because if he comes out and or even if Erod, and Kyle and the chat brings up a good point, too, that, you might be traded at the deadline. He, what if he's traded beforehand? Because if you look at the market right now for starters, St. Louis still hasn't really addressed their uh, pitching needs again. Who knows what's going to happen here, but that was my speculation was, so well, maybe Flores gets that fifth spot. He has a really good spring, but wouldn't surprise me either. If he starts the season in Toledo being like a number one or number two starter, but you, what about you?
2: Do we know? Did there, was there, was there some word that when Michael Lorenzen was starting? was signed that he was given a little bit of a week and a nod that he'd be in the rotation. Was that speculated on? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, he was talking, he was going to be in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go with him. I would go with Rodriguez, Manning, Lorenzen, Turnbull. And I'll go with Wentz. I hope Wentz has a big sprain. I don't mind if Boyd's in the bullpen. I think that's probably, we've seen the Michael, we've seen the Matthew Boyd experience in the rotation. I don't know if we need to see much more of that. Maybe he's better out of the bullpen. Yeah, and somebody brought up too Joey Wentz, and
0: I'm a I've been a big fan of Wentz, and I think Wentz could be a dark horse to make that fifth spot too. If they decide to do something, I think he's more of a starter than a, a bullpen guy, but that's just me. But again, even if they decide to put Boyd, on, I, I don't I don't I think they brought Matthew Boyd in the start. That's just me, John. What probably you? right.
3: Yeah, I saw uh, Connor's comment about the Orioles trader for Cole Irvin today, so that takes him out of the E-Rod sweepstakes, but I, I still think Erod has a good chance. Not a good chance, but I'd say 50-50 of getting traded because I still think the Padres really need to add someone to the rotation, like you guys said, the Cardinals. And I agree with you guys. I have Erod, Boyd, Manning, Lorenzen, and then I think it'll be a fight between Wentz and Brisky. But to me, what's really interesting to me is, you guys mentioned the trade deadline. I think I'd be surprised if guys like Erod, Boyd, maybe even Lorenzen, are still on this team past the 2023 trade deadline. So then what would the rotation really look like after that? If we're looking at guys like Flores and maybe Reese Olsen, that's really intriguing to me is who we can see in the second half of the season.
1: What I think you're hoping that Scooble's back by then.
3: Oh yeah, Scooble's
1: But who knows with an arm injury. But yeah, at that point it would be like you'd have Manning You'd have probably Wentz in there, possibly Flores, possibly Garrett Hill. Maybe they move him back to the rotation. Bob brisky yeah, it, it it'll be fascinating to see. And it, it there are still a couple interesting starting pitchers on the market. It would be it'd be a, a strange but interesting move if they were like we were to trade Eduardo Rodriguez right now and then go sign like Michael Walker. Well, I would like extent. that, but. Yeah. I, I I don't predict that. It's just, it's a possibility, I suppose. He did sign Zach Loeb too. I, I think you guys mentioned
0: him earlier. That, he's the guy that could start the season in Toledo's rotation and maybe they tweak him a little
1: bit. And, and um, see what happens from there. That Useta kid, right? Yeah. Edwin Useta, Yeah.
0: Evan Pitzel from the free, did a really good job, did a really good article on him. I believe it was yesterday or today. And I like that. Again, the more I hear about him, the more I like that signing for a guy who's going to potentially compete for a spot in the bullpen. And that's I'm saying. Like there's, there's certain things that you look at, like for example, they sign when they signed Rian or Renan Hanafi. I say that right?
5: Hanafi, yeah, Hanafi.
0: There's to me, it's like one. In addition to stocking up your bullpen, it's stocking up your rotation, a guy like for example Garrett Hill, Hill pitched really good when they figured out his hands. We've talked about this before, him going out of the bullpen. So it's almost like they have a logjam in in certain ways of saying, okay, we're going to try and see. What we have here with some of the names we brought in, and some of the guys currently in the system, like like Wolf, and again, even a guy like Brandon White, who he's been very Scott Harris has been very high on. You also got to consider that too. It's gonna, it's gonna. The more I think about it, in the next two weeks, you might be some seeing some really interesting bullpen battles because it's not a foregone conclusion on certain things. And I think that they brought in enough arms to go interesting arms at least to go. All right, we'll see what we have. And, and if we don't have anything, move on. But again, in two weeks, they who knows could be on the podcast and they bring in three new armors. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the, again, I am I, I would like for the Tigers, at least in my opinion, to sign a minor league outfielder or something, a veteran outfielder to shore up a little bit back down there. Because I'm trying to think of the outfield in Toledo right now. It's just think about it. I'm trying to like, in terms of if I'm quoting the Fangrass right now, if I, if I go to Fangrass real quick and look at the outfield. That would be considerably starting in triple A. You're looking at Parker Meadows, Alloy, Walker, and Dylan. Ro- is Rosa? I thought Rosa wasn't in the team anymore. I'm not sure if he's still in the org or not. He, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know so, if he was in the org or not.
1: But you could see Carpenter or Badu there, depending on yeah. what happens in spring. Just could theoretically have Verling there too if he has a bad spring.
0: And and this is another thing. I'm glad that Connor brings up in the chat too about Manning, Matt Manning and in terms of being academic with his approach and, and hopefully changing up. Because one of the things what we, we witnessed in Toledo was just Jim Leland go, "You're always on fastballs You know, can blow everything by everybody." And that was one of the funniest moments watching sitting behind Jim Leland as he's talking to at the time the Dan Dan Hubs, yeah, who, who's now moved on to another organization. And it was funny. It was just hearing him just, just well, I don't know what he's doing. But no, and, and look, Manning, I will say, I'll give a lot of credit to Brandon Day of Bless You Boys, who has been the conductor of the Matt Manning Train Express. And it's one of those things where I think I look at Manning's starts last year. There were some really good starts where he had a lot of polish. He looked really good. And I think there's a real potential that he has. A, I, want to say, I don't know. Does he have a breakthrough season?
2: Yeah, remember Raj?
3: I did that post. It was like have one scenario happen, and one of them was Matt Manning, Cy Young, and you gave me crap. <laughs> Why? Well, hey, Cy Young, <laughs>
0: Cy Young is domination. I know.
3: I know but but, what about
0: like All Star? Every every team has to have a okay. participation All Star. I want him to be an All Star, not because it's a participation All Star that he uh-huh. makes it there. Oh yeah, I forgot about Brandon Davis. Good point. Somebody mentioned Brandon Davis in the chat too. That's another possibility
2: as well. But so, what's up? Bert? How about a three-plus war year? Is Matt Manning... That- yes. You know what? Look, if he gives me... If he gives me...
0: If he gives the Detroit Tigers a three-war season, then the Tigers would win closer to 75, 77 games. Right now, the way it stands, which we're not going to even do the prediction stuff right now, and we're also... It's just one of those things, too, where... I, what, what would you think they would stand right now? And, and there's been some Twitter polls about that stuff, but Right now, somebody on Facebook made a weird comment. Well, oh, they're gonna win fifty games. Knock it off. Knock it off. Come on. Little... Rotation, yep. the bullpen was better than anticipated last year. So could happen. Yeah, well, you I know that you tend to be a little on the negative side too, but I do want to bring up the whole Valley sports situation as it was came out today that according and this was a, an article that was posted, Bloomberg that was reporting on Wednesday. That Diamond Sports Group, they're the, the subsist- sub- subsidiary, thank you, that manages Tinkler Broadcasting Groups, is heading for bankruptcy, said, according to Bloomberg reported, was that Diamond will skip a mid-February $140 interest interest-only payment that would service around $8.6 billion in debt as they prepare for Chapter 11 restructuring. So, for the Tigers, they rely on that money quite a bit. So... Tigers signed a 10-year deal with Bally that the old contract paid him around $50 million. So the, the next projected one's supposed to pay him $100 million. So a team like the Cardinals, for example, and they mentioned this in the article, that's a team that gets, in terms of getting money from from the network. And, and keep in mind, too, when you win bankruptcy, you don't have to pay anything. You're, or it's like just turn in terms of all your contracts and become null and void. So... It would be disastrous for the Tigers in the sense of having that extra revenue stream. And also at the same time, the Valley Sports app, for anyone that's watching in the t- channel or anybody listening in the comments, I'm going to ask you guys a question or ask everybody a question here. Have your experience with the app been positive? Because that app crashes on me a lot.
5: I never had it. Okay.
3: John? I don't know. It always signs me out after a certain amount of time, which is really annoying. You don't go on it for a month, and it'll just sign you on them. So like, oh, I got to remember the password again. But that's that's about it for me. You, hey, Chris,
1: and you're talking about the Bally app. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used it. I maybe once or twice, so I didn't really have any problems with it. I don't know. I don't really know. I feel like there's got to be some sort of safeguards for the teams that are getting paid by their local TV deals. Like they're still going to get paid somehow. It's just going to be added into whatever Bally Sports has to liquidate all their other stuff. But yeah, it's 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 always weird when something this enormous goes bankrupt. They it's only been Bally for what two years? It was Fox Sports Detroit forever, right? Yeah. And then pass when we were growing up, was, pass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not terribly worried about it. You you hope that. Somebody else comes through and, and uh, takes over the broadcasting, but yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. But I don't know. In Bali, don't they have casinos? What's 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 their problem? I don't know what the problem is either. But I just have I, I
2: agree with you there, there has to be a mechanism where baseball in general, yeah, they might take some kind of hit here short term, but they're going to be okay because all across the country, local baseball. Ratings tend to be pretty good. as they still want live events. There's got to be a way to make it work. Luckily, only about 15 teams, I think, in MLB are Valley teams. So it's not a league-wide thing that's going to hit a plague that's going to hit everybody. But unfortunately, the Tigers are one of those 15.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the article I'm reading. says that it it might threaten NBA and NHL teams, but it's not saying anything about Major League Baseball teams. List this particular article. I don't I don't know. know. Yeah, I, I think.
0: Well yeah, you for yeah, I you, you, get, you an excuse. You get hosed by that net you get hosed yeah. by MLB more than anybody else. Yeah, that's right. You get you get you what? can't watch the Rockies, you can't watch the Royals,
2: you can't watch the Twins. Sixteen watch the Cubs.
5: Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it's just, it's
2: just it, this is really unique to me amongst even all Iowans, because to be a Tiger fan in Iowa is brutal because we don't get twins royals white Sox online that's fully a third of the schedule mm-hmm. in past years now with the balance schedule coming out now that's going to lessen a little so that part is nice but yeah it's been a real train wreck for me personally michael you just- makes a good point <laughs> on the chat too that they
0: overborrowed right before the huge cord cutting so the the carriage fee so that's that's a good point to bring up and they weren't ready for streaming properly. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry I cut you off.
3: No, I was just joking. I said you better go listen to it in the car or something.
1: <laughs> that kind of <laughs> yeah.
3: That's
1: it why I've heard a
2: lot of Jim Price over the years. I uh, get yeah. the radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that's what <laughs> I used to do that as a kid. Not necessarily with Tigers games, but there were radio broadcasts that were coming out of Lansing or Ann Arbor, and I would go sit in my driveway or my parents' driveway late at night in their car to to hear the radio. It was the only way I could hear uh-huh. underground hip hop. In 1997, but, no, but hey, you got to do what you
5: got to do. You gotta do what
1: you got to do for your for sports and your music. I, I don't know. It, it, even if something happens, I think there will still be options for Tigers fans. There, yeah. Yeah, the, the radio, oh, but I'm sure MLB TV will. Something will happen. They won't. They will they, find.
2: They will get Tiger games and all all 15 of those clubs. They're going to get their games on the air, and at some point, they're going to get paid. Okay. There's, there's too much money involved. It's a, it's an $11 billion industry. TV is not going away despite, I know there is court cutting. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it, but there's still enough old people with a television who need to watch tigers. Okay. So, need um, to. and the tigers will get some money from that.
0: Yeah. I, I have no doubt that, that, there's something safe, some sort of safe hold or fail safe measure. That's going to be in place. And you know what? I will totally believe what Michael is saying in YouTube that WJR in Baltimore, and in I he's in his car at summer at night. I WJR. I'm not kidding. When I was traveling, I think it was the I was going to I was going to DC, and this was this was I think two like early 2000s, and we we're going out to go see a buddy of mine. You can hear WJR almost pretty much in the well in Pennsylvania before he got to the mountains, nice. and
1: yeah, pretty pretty crazy. So. Yeah, I, I. That's what they always say, WGR, The power of that signal—it's six billion watts or whatever. Like, you, you can hear it clear across the country. It's it's nice, especially if they're showing Tigers games or broadcasting. It will always bum me out though when it would be like there'd be a Lions preseason game that preempts the Tigers. I'm like, come on, <laughs> yeah, preseason. But, and yeah, Scott Mitchell oh.
0: and the Lions take on the Cleveland Browns in the Great Lakes Bowl that no one gives a crap about. <laughs> <laughs> Mistake
1: by the lake. Mistake by the lake.
0: Yeah. All right. But moving on to, so the other thing I wanted to bring up about this is some of the main headlines this week was Mike Clevenger is a creep essentially, but oh yeah, I forgot Jack Morris won't be part of, I think we talked about this last week. Jack Morris is not going to be part of the broadcast anymore. So yeah. we did bring that up, but so the Mike Clevenger story
5: and go ahead, Chris, I, I, I
1: i don't know i I can't say i'm entirely surprised yeah and, you, and it's always tough you don't want to i don't know, like guilt by association but just knowing that yeah he was hanging out with trevor bauer in cleveland <laughs> yeah. that can't be good and remembering that he and, and zach plisak they there were strict quarantine rules for the the 2020 season everybody was like we saw what happened to miami and st louis when there was a COVID outbreak like it almost ruined their season they were able to make up enough games but they didn't take that seriously. He and they went out and were partying, and and so they had to quarantine for ten days. And the team was super upset. They were like, they were talking about like Francona's health issues and how they're putting him at risk. And so, first of all, you're you're dealing with just a immature guy, and then you see what he's he's thirty two or whatever, married to a twenty four year old, and yeah, it's it just it's it's not a surprise that he's an ass, and it's pretty unfortunate stories there that he was like hitting, choking his girlfriend wife and throwing chew spit, like, on his kid. Like, I don't... (laughs) Wow. So, it is... And and now, supposedly, like, the White Sox should have known that. They say they didn't know about it, but he was under investigation, I think, by Major League Baseball at the time. So, I don't know how that works. Like, if you... But I always assume that people in baseball, like, hear the whispers or know what's going on. And and so, I, I don't know if they... Because we wanted, we thought, like, hey, he was a decent upside pitcher, right? He was coming off for, like two years removed from Tommy John, was a, like a four-win pitcher a couple years ago. So it didn't shock me that he got a decent deal from the White Sox, but it looks like the Tigers dodged a bullet, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens if the White Sox void his contract or w- what happens there. I don't know what, what they can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, the White Sox are going to save money yeah. the way they can. This is a team that doesn't like to spend if they don't have to. And, and so the accuser... Her, her name is Olivia Feinstein. Has been in touch with MLB investigators since last summer, according to what was reported in the Athletic. And so, the attorney for Clevenger reached a s- statement on Tuesday, and this is how the statement went: "Quote: He has never harmed Miss Feinstein or his daughter." Attorney Jay Regenter said, "Will not comment on Miss Feinstein's motive for bringing these false allegations. Her baseless threats and accusations over the last few months have been re- regrettably escalating." Called. Cult- cultivating in the most recent, deeply disturbing threats towards Mike and Mike's family. Our threats and our pattern of abusive behavior are well documented. The simple truth is Mike has done nothing wrong. He's a loving and caring father. We advise Mike not to
1: comment on him. And Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I Theor- Theoretically possible that a woman scorned would do something crazy like this, but, but 99% of the time the dude is an ass. Like, we know. And look at him. Come on. I, look, I as far as until gu- guilty until,
0: I I might I don't know. I, it's one of those things where some of the evidence is strong, so it is you. You hang out with Trevor Bauer. There's a lot of that birds of the feather kind of thing. So it's like,
1: yeah, and and the, the the Detroit baseball there has that he's got a note that says technically baseball, Major League Baseball can't say they're investigating anyone, but there are people inside in in Major League Baseball offices. They know when contracts are coming through. I'm sure somebody there would, would contact somebody of the White Sox and say, "Hey, just so you know, before you sign this deal, there, there's something going on with him." So it's hard. It's hard for me to believe that the White Sox didn't know, unless they really are understaffed. So I don't know. Yeah. It's ugly all the way around. We'll see what comes of it. I, I expect probably like a at least like a moderate suspension. I don't know how long for a starting pitcher, maybe 40 games or something like that. Yeah,
5: we'll so right. happens. Yeah,
1: San Diego
0: was a, from, what, from what I was reading in the, there that the Padres, the see was it the Padres? In the statement, the Padres said, "quote We are aware. We were aware of LB's investigation and completely support their efforts under the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. Due to the ongoing investigative process, we cannot comment any further on that at this time." End quote. So, it's collusion. Another <laughs> would surprise me if it was collusion at this point. There's any way that the White Sox maybe can avoid paying people, I don't know. Again, maybe that's why you got one year deal. Who knows? So let's move on from here. But so what I wanted to talk about was MLE Pipeline tonight released their top 100 prospects. And yeah, you know what, Connor, you're right. Derek Morris,
1: Derek Norris Derek was Nor- signed, and in the media pretty much that was it was Katie Strang. Katie Strang, uh, we we talked to her on the pod. After yes, that. that's right. And she has, she's made like a career. It's got to be tough. Like her whole career is like detailing these awful sexual assault allegations against hockey coaches and against baseball players. It's, it's got to <laughs> be brutal. But if you're doing service journalism, I think that's, she's seeing to it that these guys pay for the things they've done. And yeah, the, the as I recall, the language, it was like David Chad was talking about calling Derek Norris a kid who made a mistake and Derek Norris was like 33. <laughs> it was like, come on now. But in any event, sorry. Yeah, do. We were getting into the pipeline, which is more our speed. Yeah, yeah. There, and I actually end up—I forgot I was on—and I started watching it during dinner.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, Jacks. So comes in number five is Wilmer Flores. Number eighty-three is Chase Young, who actually came up higher than one of our favorite guys, Zach Nito of the Angels, who came in at number eighty-nine. Zach Nito, I remember was banging the drum up on on for the tiger Should drafting him. And he came out blazing last year for the Angels, and a number at number sixty-three. And he actually went up, I believe, on MLB Pipeline's list as Jackson Job. But yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm okay. <laughs> Jeez, hopey, he... <laughs> I get too distracted sometimes. Nobody investigated Abila for abusing us for seven years. That's, hey the, that's
3: one of the best comments I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah,
0: where's I, King I, Strang? Oh, I think and, all right, but no, I have no problem with this list whatsoever, and and MLB Pipeline again. I think they're trying to elevate themselves as, hey, hey, listen, our list is fine. Okay. Because it always comes under scrutiny. For example, when you say a prospect's highly regarded on MLB, Pipeline, like, oh, they're ranked lower on baseball in America. Why is that? Again, different sources, different as we learn more about this, but I personally don't have an issue with it. I think Flores is perfectly ranked at number 95 because the lack of that third pitch. We've talked about this. I think he's working on his changeup. Young, Again, maybe you just need more sample size for us. Personally, I feel like I have to see more of, of him before I can make an assumption. But Job's debut last year in high A, that was electric. And he showed some really good stuff. And to me, that's fine. As the rank is all subjective. It should Colt Keith gotten some consideration? Sure. Am I saying that because it was on the podcast? No. Maybe. But no, And I, I, all jokes aside, this, to me, this list is fine.
3: No, and because you guys are the experts, I just wanted to throw out a quick question. What do you guys think this list is going to look like a year from now? Is there anybody in the Tigers organization a year from now that you think can make the jump onto this list? Because I was just thinking if we give Scott Harris an- another full year to really do his magic, what do you think? I think we'll have four prospects in the top 105. What do you guys thinking it could look like a year from now?
1: That's a good question. I, I would expect that Joe will still be on there unless something goes haywire this year. I think he'll still be in the top 100. Jace Young could still be in there. The pipeline kind of, kind of clings to their draft rankings more than anybody else. Jace Young was their ninth overall draft prospect last year compared to... Nito was like 17th to them, so they stick with that. But he could be in there. It's possible, Colt Keith. I, mean, I think we think that he might make the majors this year, but it's also entirely possible he doesn't. And then I think you have got to look at guys like Christian Santana and Isaac Pacheco, who could make real moves this year. And then you got to think about the third overall pick coming up. I, I you would hope that that whoever that is yeah. is going to be in the top 100.
2: That should be an automatic, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, it, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't expect them to have like top 20 prospect unless something awesome happens. But I, they should have another three to five guys in that 50 to 100 range. I would think. What about Malloy if he doesn't make the majors this year?
5: Yeah, he's an interesting... Not quite.
1: I, I, I think he's got a chance to be like a good average big leaguer, but I don't know if there's a huge ceiling there unless he, he was talking to us. He's not a huge power guy. He knows that about him, and I think that will ultimately keep his ceiling. But I, it wouldn't shock me if he's on a list. If he goes out, but he spends the year in Triple A and and say he gets two eighty and, and twenty plus home runs or whatever with a twenty percent walk rate. Yeah, I, I think you put that guy in the top one hundred.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, we're talking about he, if he shows up at ninety one, we're right.
1: It's yeah. not like
2: he has
0: to be fifty three or something. So, I, I personally think that Santana to agree with you, Chris. But a guy that seems to be high on lists across the board is Peyton Graham. Yeah. I think if Peyton Graham oh. comes out, that if Peyton Graham has a good year, if he starts the season at West Michigan. And goes out and has a good year, and we see him in Erie, then he, I think you could see him definitely on that list next year. I expect that in, in terms of even like for pitchers. So you, you look at Madden. Matt, was gonna say? Maybe Madden or and or Dylan Smith. I think they one of, I think either one of them was going to take, they're going to take a step forward this year. We saw Madden, what he's capable of in your year, year last year. It, there were some times, there were some really flashes of glimpses on what he was working on working on his off-speed stuff. So, to me, it depends on how his off-season went. A, and B, Madden can come out and just start laying waste to people. And he easily could be on um, by by the middle of the summer on uh, top 50, for sure. Because sure. Madden has a draft pre- draft pedigree to him. And so I think that would be one. But again, I even, I'm not going to say anything like Danny Soretti or anything like that, but I just think that Peyton Graham, because of where he was drafted, we'll get some of that too.
2: Yeah. What about
3: the Tigers' other picks they have in the draft, like the second round pick? Like Gunnar Henderson was a second round pick and he made the list pretty quick. So mm-hmm. you got to think about that too.
0: I, th- I think about that. But also the fact that here we are with Mark, Con- Mark Connor is going to be part of it. And Chris, I was just going to, I think you and I are both thinking the same thing. Until we see what kind of profile they have in terms of how they address it. That, to me, is too far away. Even with the, the third pick you want, hopefully it's a home run pick. It's an no-brainer pick. We're not sitting there going, They picked another pitcher! No, I, I don't. It's but it would be the smartest guys in the room. I think that it really depends. But looking at Mark Conner's draft record in San Diego, I think you could potentially see the second round or maybe a third round or two. But again, it's too far away right now, and there's so many variables.
3: They have a thirty-seventh pick, forty-fifth pick, and seventy-fifth pick. So they have a chance to not overhaul the farm system, but add some yeah. talent to it.
1: it, it yeah, generally speaking, you're not gonna see guys taken out of the top outside of the top fifteen or whatever, and unless there's a huge played with money. Like I think Brock Porter made the top one hundred and he was what, a fourth rounder? Yeah. Um yeah. because they, they gave him uh-huh. like a top twenty bonus. So you could see something like that. But generally speaking, those guys taken after, like, the 15th pick, don't make the top 100 next year, but the year after they could. And, and to Relio's point, like, Mark Connor's last draft, last draft with San Diego, they got Jackson Merrill and James Wood, and I think they're both top 25 prospects now. And uh, they were, like, the 28th pick, and I want to say, like, the 40th or 50th pick or something like that. So, it's possible, just probably not at this time next year. Yeah, and looking at San Diego, yeah, Jackson Merrill comes in at number,
0: number 19, and he's not only 19 years old. That was a that was one of his picks. So if if we're talking about a draft success record like that, hey, I'm, I'm all in for it. And in terms of some of his numbers, too, for he's a left-handed bat. And in terms of, like, he only had, what, one year at high – he had one year at the low A with the Storm, I believe it was. And put up a pretty good batting average. Or, I'm sorry, no, no. Yeah, it was rookie ball. Yeah, it was – he had rookie ball. He hit 433 in rookie ball. And in, in A ball, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go hit 325. That's cool.
1: And yeah, Mer- Merrill was, he was hurt for a lot of the year. And then he went to the man. AFL and everybody was was like really surprised. They thought he was like the best hitter there despite his age and lack of experience. So he got rave reviews in the AFL. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he was a late pop up in the draft. Like you started hearing his name like three weeks before the draft because he was from like Delmarva and it was like Maryland somewhere. But yeah, I, I know fingers crossed. I like that pick of Peyton Graham. Raj because like the 90th percentile outcome of Pey- Peyton Graham was a 2020 shortstop which is very rare there's a lot of risk there but if everything clicks for him that's that's his upside yeah that, that would be exciting for sure
0: and you know what the one thing I noticed about this list too was Cleveland kind of being sneaky. think about Cleveland the Guardians are we've talked about we've ranted and raved about them being this player evaluation man- manufacturing machine yeah Chase Lauder, who's the outfielder, comes in at number 82. And so that's the, that's their first, that's their first appearance in there. And then you go up a little bit, number 75, Ryan Ro- Rocchio. Rokio could play anywhere in the infield. This guy, I, I think he saw some time last year in the major leagues. Then back to back, you got both Bo Naylor, and then you have Tanner or Tanner Bibby at number sixty-five and Naylor at number sixty-four. And it's like they go up again. George number fifty-one. It's solid. Gavin Williams. Some of these names are not exactly household names yet, but you they will be. be. And then you have Danny Daniel Esposito at number sixteen, and that was the sickest pitcher I have seen last year in Double A. That guy was filthy. There was, was Akron had the was it the they had a lefty Juan or. Signed with the Nationals recently. I just saw they had forgot the guy's name now, but they they, they had one guy carving up the Seawolves all season every time he faced them. It was a, and I for life of me can't remember the guy's name, but the other one, you know what I'm talking about, Chris? Like that, I do. I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, some control issues. But as we Daniel just was like blowing guys away, there's no chance. Fastballs just just rising, fastballs with moving, just high tailing action on, on lefties, just. Ridiculous. And they had that curveball that just wiped off the face of the plant. It was sick.
2: You mentioned Gavin Williams, too, that guy at East Carolina. I watched him pitch several Ooh, times. Good call, yeah. He's tall. Yeah. He's nasty. He's a pretty good pitcher.
1: Yeah. Williams was a kid who hit 100. I remember it was a big deal when he hit 100 as a freshman. And then things didn't work out until I, I want to say it was like his basically his redshirt for junior season. Like mm-hmm. I think his COVID year would have been his junior season than last year. And, and yeah, he Cleveland does this because. They have a very specific profile. They they go, and you see it every year in the international market, they go out and they sign 30 middle infielders who control the strike zone, and then they go get uh, pitchers with interesting profiles who throw strikes, and then they teach them to throw harder. And it's, it's, it's a recipe for success every time. I'm not sold completely on George Valera, because I think he's a corner outfielder, and he, he's he might be one of those guys who hits for power, but really low average and walks a lot. One Hillman. One the, the, Hillman. Hillman. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. It's not the worst thing in the world, but but yeah, they they've got what seven guys in the top 100. They'll be fine. Three yeah. three of them will work out. Maybe four, and we'll just keep keep turning them out. And uh, yeah, it's it's tough that it's it's an interesting thing because you've got this the player development machine in the division, but they also don't ever spend any money. Josh Bell signing was like, whoa, look at Cleveland, big spin. So there's there's like a built-in they put a governor on themselves. So if the Tigers ever can get to the point where they're developing players at that level, then they probably should be able to outspend Cleveland, but, but we'll see. There, there's a great clip. First game of the year, I think it was Espino <laughs> against the Seawolves. <laughs> yeah, just... Greg Ganya comes out and says, it's easier said than done, but with a guy throwing 100 miles an hour, you just got to time it up, and then a half second later, Gage Worker hits a home run off of him. Yeah, and that was, the didn't show the home run. See, that's that curveball. It's just it's. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Ooh, man.
1: but he missed, I think he only made four starts. I want yeah. to say that he missed most of the year with, I think there was some shoulder soreness and then there was a different injury that wasn't related to his arm, I think. But yeah, like he reminds me a little bit of Danny Salazar, if you remember him. Yeah. yeah. Really, really nasty stuff, but couldn't stay healthy. There was one one great Tigers-Indians uh, game back then. Mm-hmm. must have been mm-hmm. like 2010, 2011. I think Danny Salazar struck out maybe three times in a row and then the fourth time maybe it was like, yeah, Clash of the Titans, it was great. But, yeah, there, there might not be a pitcher with filth, filthier, pure stuff and, and minors than Daniel Espino. Just got to keep him healthy.
0: And, and what,
1: you know, you've even seen the White Sox have a couple guys
0: in there, too, for a system that's been depleted. That was, uh, that was, that was a shocking see there, too. You know what? I think I have that. You know what? I, was it 2013, Chris, you thinking, you're
1: thinking of? The Miggy versus uh, Danny Salazar?
0: Yeah.
2: Was that his I, debut? That- I
1: thought I felt like it was before that, but who knows? He he kind of like he, he showed up, burned really bright, and then burned out. Right. It so, was great though, yeah. Miguel, I think Miguel took me deep in the eighth inning. Yeah, is that sounds him? about right to me. Yeah.
0: So let's see here. This is, I think this is it. This is, I believe yeah. this is it. Like, yeah, oh, wait, wait, hold on. I, I totally ruined it. Let's see here. He got 102 pitches. Get the hell out of here. Because
1: <laughs> he had a nasty, I, you know, he was a big fastball. I think he had a nasty splitter. And so that was twenty thirteen?
3: Yeah, that's twenty thirteen. Oh, remember all those players used to wear those necklaces for some reason?
2: Did Valverde blow
1: the save then? They no, were, he was really <laughs> he, was on, he, was, he was on the team at that point. <laughs> those, those were like, I remember Grandson of those. They were it was like any of those fake athletic fads. You see like the guys who cup them, they're like cupping. They have those weird circular, like what do you call it when you hickeys, like circular hickeys on their yeah. arms? And that was back then, like, people thought that copper reduced swelling or whatever. Yeah,
3: that was it. Because Verlander, I think his Cy Young year, he wore it every single start. Or, yeah. Or pretty know, it, people
1: are weird. The one thing, somebody, we were talking about Colt Keith not being on the top 100. And it, if people didn't see our, our conversation with him earlier, we, we brought it up with him because one of the things that they said, people who saw him in the AFL talked about how bad he looked on defense. He just looked really rough there. And we talked to him, and he, he mentioned a couple things. He said that he had, he had dropped like 15 pounds since the AFL, and he's been eating better. He's working on his agility to get better on defense. But he also said something that I hadn't even considered, which totally makes sense, is that he basically went about four months without taking ground ball. And it was his shoulder. Yeah, and he, it was a shoulder injury, so he, was, he wasn't throwing. It hurt when he threw. And he said for whatever reason, when, when ground balls were hit to him, it was almost like he couldn't see them. Like He was just mm-hmm. that out of practice. Yeah, that's that's going to result in some difficulty there. But as we always say, like these these top 100 lists, these prospect lists, are just a snapshot in time. And I wrote Coke Keith's profile for a Tigers minor league report like a month and a half ago, and I was still calling him 245. And he's now down down to 230, so I have to adjust that. <laughs> and so it it's like it wouldn't shock me if he sneaks on the top 100 after a few graduations. He's probably there in the next 20 prospects. So, yeah, I, the Tigers have this kind of interesting collection of of guys who might not be these super highly touted prospects, but still have a chance to be solid regulars. You could throw Parker Meadows and Winslow Perez in there. Uh, that I don't think they'll be in the top 10 on Tiger's prospects, but I think that they have that potential. So it's a different kind of farm system than we're, we're used to over the last five, six years. True.
0: And it's, it's going to be, uh, I think one of some depth to it. So last let's end the podcast with, the Hall of Fame vote, I wanted to get everybody who was participating. So everybody in the chat, if you're watching us on YouTube Live, or if you're at home and you want to send in your, you know what? I have an idea. This is what I'll do. You send us your Hall of Fame ballot from this year, and you send it to woodwardtigers at gmail.com, and we'll randomly select one. You give us your Hall of Fame ballot. You don't have to give me, an ex- you don't have to give me any type of... Reasoning. A reasoning. Just say, okay... Here's why, and here's who I want in the Hall of Fame. So let me me put this on here on the the screen. I'll put it in the the comment section, too, or in the description. Woodwardtigers at gmail.com. For people that are listening at home and not participating, I want your Hall of Fame vote. Whoever picks a random will give you a free Woodward Tigers T-shirt. On me, or a hoodie, T-shirt or a hoodie. So woodwardtigers at gmail.com. Give us your a Hall of Fame ballot. And anybody in the chat, by the way, I might do that too. So people who are live chatting with us right now, I might randomly, I might feel good. I might feel like, hey, you know what? I'm in a good mood and, and pick somebody here at random as well. Without further ado, so Scott Rowland was elected into the Hall of Fame on 76% of the vote. Todd Helton just missed it by 72%, followed by Billy Wagner at 68%, and Andrew Jones at 50, 58%. Gary Sheffield coming in. And at this ninth year and at 55 percent, Carlos Balchon, whose first year on the Hall of Fame boat, 46 percent. So, Jeff Kent, you gone, or yeah, you're gone, Hudson Street, you're gone. There's a lot of people that are gone now. Again, Alice, by the way, E-Rod comes in at 35 percent. I know there's sort of people on Twitter that will they'll post the, their valid. Like I think it was, it was Rob Parker. Used to work in this town, posted yeah, I know. <laughs> Chris's face it all. Rob Parker posted his ballot and posted he only voted for Gary Sheffield. And then he gave some sort of holier than now response. And I, I don't even want to bother finding it right now because I just I don't want to get mad anymore. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm 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 fascinated when you want to make your vote public and then go, you know, this is what I did. This is my decision. Okay. You give no logical explanation other than nothing. There's nothing you can say. So, it, it, but when I saw his war, 70 point war, it's lower than Lou Wicker's war. Again, a friendly reminder that Lou Wicker got hosed by the Veterans Committee and still on the Hall of Fame. Whether it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me and I've written two articles about it, and I just don't need to, and I've complained about it enough to know, and every Tiger fan feels the same way. Scott Rowland, as far as Hall of Fame numbers go, okay, so he had 2,070 hits, 316 home runs, but he was no more for his defensive prowess. But, all right, I'll start with you, Chris. Scott Rowland, Hall of Very Good or Hall of Fame?
1: i, I put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I think we, part of the problem with him is, is that like he got overshadowed by some really crazy seasons like his best year ever was 2004 I think he put up like nine plus war that year but he had the misfortune of doing it the year that Barry Bonds walked 260 times or whatever and Adrian Beltre another third baseman happened to hit 48 home runs so Scott Rollins I don't know 35 home runs and 315 average was was just kind of like "Eh, whatever but yeah he was what was interesting about him is he was such a big guy that it was it was kind of hard to believe he was as good at defense as he was but what do you eight gold gloves, something like that? Yeah, you get eight gold gloves. You hit three hundred plus home runs. You're a two eighty hitter, or whatever. I I think that that seems like a pretty good Hall of Fame resume to me. I, I don't. You never won an MVP, I don't think, but it's tough when you're in the same league as Barry Bonds. Uber? yeah,
2: I'm, I go back and forth. obviously, if you if, if if Harold Baines is the dividing line, and yes, he's Hall of Famer. Okay, but that's probably not where we should set the level of 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 Hall of Fame standard as Harold Baines. But I think back to the day, and I can't professed to have watched scott Rowland day in and day out but when i did see him and i watched as much baseball as most people not all people i never thought oh i'm witnessing greatness but then you look at the 17 years you look at the gold gloves you look at the fairly steady contributions scott Rowland was an important baseball player in his era so i'm okay with it i i wouldn't give him a rousing vote but i don't think there's i think there's been far more egregious omissions had inclusions over the years in Scott Rowland.
3: Yeah, I like Cameron's comment. Just a model consistency. Never had that really big breakout year. He did finish fourth in MVP voting in 2004. But other than that, never finished in the top 10. And was just a really, really solid
0: player for a long time. Yeah, and this is a guy that you're talking that put up a least in the amount of time he played. And he's only, he only had only only Season five seasons where he didn't have a two plus war. So, I that's that is a model of consistency. He did win rookie of the year in 1997 when his first season with the Phillies. So, I yeah, if if Roland is getting a nod, I agree with what was the what was said in there and and from from, ah, what Walter said. And Lou should get in at this point. It's in terms of even just total production. He has the numbers to prove it. The only, and I was looking over some of the other candidates and Todd and, and somebody, I think it was, it was Todd, Todd, Todd 63 in the chat. Talked about Todd Helton and, and looking at Todd Helton's numbers. So this is a guy who also, by the way, fun fact about him. He was the quarterback before Peyton Manning was, or maybe it was after, was it before or after? I, I can't remember. I think it was before. Right, Tennessee. I think before. Okay, before. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny, then tennis, or T. Martin replaces Peyton Manning and leads him to a national championship. Always cracks me up. But uh, I digress. So a guy like you look at him and go, well, we played in Colorado. And so it doesn't really matter. And, and the numbers might help them. But, okay, that's you, you're entitled to your opinion, and that's fine. But away even from, I mean, his home, hitting at home was ridiculous. 345, 441, 607 with the OPS over 1,000 at home. His career he had 227 home runs at course field away from course field 287 386 469 with an ops of 855 so does the car you know does the thin air help him sure okay but still i mean that that the level like even to put that that's like a cart like arcade numbers put that up
5: at home
1: 345 at home ridiculous yeah i i I feel like maybe I'm mistaken but is he the last player to have 100 extra base hits in one season? Maybe somebody's done it since him but I remember he did that and yeah I can't yeah Well and, and, of... and it's interesting cuz we we've talked before about the effects of Coors Field and how it, it it very clearly helps people there but it also hurts people who are used to playing at Coors Field when they play away games it, it like if they move to a different team the reality is usually somewhere in between and that that kind of makes me think of Like, Scott Rowland, his career is, through this point, is almost identical to what Nolan Arenado has done throughout his, so far, through this age. Like, really close. And I think Arenado's sort of a similar player, where we look at him as a really good, great all-star level player, but maybe not necessarily like an all-time great, where you think he's a a no-doubt Hall of Famer, but eventually, if he keeps producing like this, he will be. And so that's, I, I, I kind of feel like that was the analog there for scott roland but helton i've always been a little bit skeptical of because his big seasons were there at colorado and there in the middle of the steroid era but i don't remember any specific allegations against him i just kind of look at everybody from that era with a john eye, like even jeff kent who supposedly was a vocal critic of steroids it's, okay cool why were all your best years after you turned 30 like that yeah. sometimes that happens like daryl evans had some good years after he was 30 he had some good years before he was 32. So I just, I'm skeptical, but I don't... There was an expansion like, in there. Yeah, that's true. And
2: offensive numbers do spike.
1: Yeah, but yeah, and, and so... I, I don't have a problem with the steroid guys for the most part. Like, I just say, put everybody in there, give them an asterisk yeah. if you want, about, hey, they suspected of steroid use, or this was the steroid era. Put them in a separate wing, is the steroid era. <laughs> no, Know the context. But I, I think Helton... It's a Hall Very Good guy for me, but I, I if I sat down and, and crunched the numbers, I could probably convince myself that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah,
2: who was who after Helton in the voting again? I'm sorry, Blake. Billy uh, Wagner.
1: Billy Wagner.
2: It's Billy Wagner.
0: Cool. I, I so right. I go look up Jeff. Kent. So I go look up Jeff Kent, and I happen to come across his. so Apparently, he has a and no, no, it's. The funniest thing, because it looks like he's posting for a high school prom or a senior picture. And let me let me you guys gotta see this to understand what I'm talking about here. Look at this. Hey, hey, I'm Jeff 10. I like taking long walks in the park.
4: What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like Kip apparently he was on Survivor, apparently. I don't I don't ever I've never I've watched that
2: show watched sh- maybe once.
0: But yeah, that's that's Jeff Kent for you. Yeah.
1: I
2: always liked that he claimed like he, he uh, was washing his car but oh, yeah, he actually fell off a motorcycle.
0: As far as somebody asked about our opinion about
5: Tiger Great Gary Sheffield, to me, I have some pretty strong I, feelings about it.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, he, you guys go ahead. Personally, I think he was unbelievable power. Defensively, he was he was he was rough to watch. But in terms of a strong opinion about him, I. Is he balling in a hall of fame? <sighs> the numbers would indicate that you would, he would, you know, the five. Then people would say, "Well, five hundred home runs doesn't automatically mean Fred McGriff didn't get Fred McGriff didn't hit five hundred. Well, did he hit five hundred? No, he was short of it. four ninety? Yeah, four ninety, yeah, and he got in. So if we're gonna, if we're in terms of guys who have, yeah. go ahead. You, I was just gonna say." And this guy had 509 home runs. He hit one of the qualifiers.
2: I think he should be in the Hall of
0: Fame.
2: I, I, I lean toward in. I do. I think he's got the, he had the offensive production. He was a force in his time. I used that Jim Rice. He was feared. There yeah. always, always made fun of Jim Rice because people say he was feared. He was in the Hall of Fame only because of that. And again, this will always be something we can talk about every year. If, if the yeah. Harold Baines is the line, Sheffield is a drop dead certain Hall of Famer. Yeah. But if you take out Harold Baines, then you got a little bit of a debate. But I would think I would still lean toward letting him in. You know it's yeah. you
0: know astonishing, by the way, about his, his best year? One of his best years is in 1992. And you want the in terms of he finished next to – okay, so imagine this, okay? You hit 330, you have 184 hits, and you have 33 home runs and 100 RBIs, okay? And that's great. But then the guy who wins, you have a 6.2 war. That's awesome. You finish third in the MVP voting behind Terry Pendleton. Terry F. And Pendleton, who had a good year, under 99 hits. No, no take away, I'm not taking away from that. He also hit 311. But Sheffield had a little more power. Because Pendleton hit it, 21 home runs. But Barry Bonds was the MVP. And, of course, that makes a lot of sense because he, was, he led the league and everything. He led the league in walks. He had 39 stolen bases. He had 127 walks. Batted 311. OPS, 311, 456 slugging of 624 and ops over a thousand so that imagine that you have a root that was one of his best years of his career and it still wasn't enough because this is a pre-steroid barry bonds or whatever you want to believe on that and this is
2: pirate bonds so terry pendleton always got a lot of extra votes i think and stuff like this on the soft factors he was a a leader uh, um, clubhouse guy people loved him he got a little Ooh. boost. He was still a good player. Don't get me wrong. He was an excellent third baseman, but he always had that reputation of just being a hell of a guy to have in your locker room. I think it always gave him a boost. I like this. I like the way Todd posted
0: here. Todd, 62, he said, is Harold Baines considered the Hall of Fame Mendoza line?
1: I think he's below that. I, I, yeah. And, uh, by a lot of factors, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame at all. But
2: he, he even knows he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah.
1: He, yeah, he, he even said it.
2: And, he, and, and and it's unfair that he's always going to have this conversation based around him because again yeah he was he was a nice you put if, if Harold Baines walked into the t- if The current day Harold Baines walked into the Tigers locker room they'd use him <laughs> he'd yeah. be fine. but yeah not a Hall of Famer oh and Tony La Russa had must had the power of the Emperor
0: Palpatine from Star Wars because he looks like him right now anyway but will that kind of power and I remember him saying. I, I meant he, he was very adamant about it. He's like, he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he wasn't going to be questioned about it. And so that, that just, to me, it was so, one of those weird Tony, like, he died on the Hill, would not die on the Hill. It was, it was it was strange. Knowing full well that you're on the committee to make this happen, and you literally greased the wheels and what have you to make this possible. And so I just think it was abuse of power. Sorry. I, it, it's, it's To me, it's just ridiculous. And so... You Hooked up your friend, and again, the guy was just going about his business one day. I'm in the hall of I mean, like eating cornflakes in the mornings, I'm in the hall of fame. Wow, I feel like that's how it went down for him. But George Kell is borderline. His
1: numbers, George Kell's numbers overall, if I find like in terms of, but that's newest, I think, but there are elements of that that I think. Where when did they put him in the Hall of Fame? It was much much later, right? It was like yeah, it was yeah. He
0: got voted in was... by the Veterans Committee in or later on. I think I, I'll I'll have to look that up real quick. But, uh, but yeah, he yeah, didn't I mean, get in until I... much later.
1: Because I thought part of that was just because he became a, a broadcaster too. Maybe I'm mistaken. But like Joe Torre is in the Hall of Fame as a manager. He had a, a very solid Major League career. Wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he went and won four World Series or whatever. So he went in the as, as a, a manager too. Yeah, it's tough with guys like that. I for me. I feel like Gary Sheffield should have been in the Hall of Fame already. You know, the Kevin Goldstein, who we had on the show a couple of times, he, he's he got this this view of the Hall of Fame that, that it should be for famous players. It's the Hall of Famous Players. These are famous people. Some of that, you, you do that, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of Yankees and stuff. But Gary Sheffield was one of the absolutely most feared offensive players in baseball for a long time. From the mm-hmm. early 90s up until the mid-2000s. The just, yeah, nobody... Wanted. I think he walked more than he struck out in his career with that crazy bat speed. He won a batting title and has 500 home runs. There's only seven, eight guys who have done that. You like Miguel Cabrera and Henry Aaron, and, and it's, it's a really rare feat to have that power in that batting average. So I, th- I think he's one of the best offensive players of all time. I think it's a career 140 OPS plus for a career, 40% better than average offensive player. Yeah. The main problem it's- is he was a terrible defender. But even like I look at him and go, okay, all right, then just pretend he's a DH. He still should be in. I think he's got better offensive numbers than David Ortiz, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. But he had some other stuff going on. He was he was not he was outspoken at times. He did uh, you know uh, admit to using some of the cream in the clear with Barry Bonds, although he, he claimed he didn't know what was going on. I, I think his quote was to me steroids was something you put in your butt. So but, by um, the way, George
0: Kell was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1983, and a lot to do with Joe, former Detroit news writer Joe Falls, who had a lot yeah. of sway. So Joe right. Falls made have- of. Because he joined the broadcasting. He, this I did not know about how he got the job with the Tigers. I didn't know Mel Ott, former mm-hmm. giant, was a bro who was he was killed in a car accident. And uh-huh. that's how he got the job. The the business manager, this is according to uh, doing my quick research on Saber, Harry Season offered Cal the job as his replacement. And thanks to former Tiger and John Fitzer, who kind of like, hey, he had a chance to even do the game of the week nationally, or even had a chance to even replace see the great late great Mel, Mel Allen but he still wanted to stay at the Tigers and stay close to home so George Kell I love George Kell George Kell I, I it's funny I didn't know really know about his baseball player his baseball playing days until ironic enough till way after I always just thought of him as this is George Kell thank you yeah so it was Veterans Committee okay okay I was right George Kell all K-line his voice is southern was like I always thought that for a while, I felt like everybody had this, some some sort of draw to their voice. But I, I loved George Kell on the broadcast. It was Cincinnati. When you say Cincinnati, it was... I just, think that
2: was... The, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was from Arkansas. Arkansas yes. Arkansas.
0: Swifton, Arkansas. And yeah, George Kell was one of my favorite like people. I know a lot of people gave him an LK. Like, LKL had struggled with pronunciations and all that. But I didn't care. Was, those guys were channel like local four baseball to me anyway
3: i have a question bring it back to the tigers victor martinez is eligible next year he and does he have any much of a chance at all
1: i i don't think he's got a shot to get in the hall of fame i no. think there's a chance that he might get on and uh, get enough votes to stick around for a few years but i i doubt it he was a really good hitter for a long time, but I'm looking at, let's see, what's his, he wasn't a great defender, wasn't a particularly. He
2: minus, base, minus, minus base runner. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> didn't add a whole lot of,
1: a lot of, and he really didn't, for as good of a hitter he, as he was, he wasn't a huge power guy outside of a couple years, so one year, I think he had 32 home runs, that I'm looking, that's the most. Yeah, I'd I see him as a as a very good, consistent player, but not to that level of being a Hall of Famer.
2: If Tony LaRusse had been his manager, he'd have a chance. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think he has a chance at all in terms of even for how many games he missed of injury. If he was, if he hit over three hundred, and so I, I think that that would be a case. So somebody mentioned in the chat, and this is we're we'll it up after this because I've been working since eight o'clock this morning, and I'm starting to feel my fatigue set in. But uh, nevertheless, so the Houston Astros named their new GM, and was Dana Brown. One of the candidates, though, was former Tiger manager. One of the, the former Tiger manager, Brad Ausmus, and it was one of those things where a lot of that just like a lot of it's just very a lot of people were just kind of like, what. And he did work in the front office with the Padres before he took the manager job of the Tigers. And again, Brad Osmus, as a former catcher, former catchers always have their like, AJ Hinch, there's they're always managers or some sort of position of authority, but. He must, again, I, we're not in there. To, he knows more about baseball than I do. I, but it was just funny to me because I saw that and I was like.
1: So, I think he must interview very well. Yes, he must. But, he must have the and, best PowerPoints. And I, and I was saying this in, in our Discord, like, being a bad manager doesn't necessarily prevent you from being a good GM. They're two pretty sure. different skill sets. You'd like to think that some of your thinking and, and roster building and stuff like that would extend to being a manager and how you do your lineups and stuff like that but it's a different thing like the gm doesn't have to worry about controlling the personalities in the locker room and try to keep guys happy and, and things like that the gm could just get rid of people send them down it doesn't really matter that that's the manager's the one who has to make sure that they're not fighting each other but he's it's, a damn attractive of, man yeah, it's kind of funny like he hasn't really succeeded in any real way since his playing days and so he but we keep hearing him as a candidate for certain jobs, and it feels odd. Again, like, baseball's weird. As much as, as the modern world has, has added more analysts and people from outside perspectives, there's still a very real pull and attraction to former players. That, that's, I think, what happened in Houston. You have a GM who goes out and wins you a World Series in James Click, and, and the owner thinks he's too focused on numbers. And so he yeah. wants to bring in. Dana Brown, Is, is a he's got a, an impeccable track record as a scout he's the mm-hmm. head of scouting for the braves the last couple of years when they got vaughn grissom and austin riley and justin henry malloy and michael harris and spencer strider and all those guys so mm-hmm. that that's a great hire i think but it is just kind of odd yeah I, I was half expecting them to bring jeff bagwell or lance berkman and his gm or something like that just like mm-hmm. kind of fall in love with the being around the jocks it it felt like that was what crane was doing but so i don't know i think they did a pretty good job
5: for
0: sure
1: and the reason why Asmus Asmus would get consideration—I say Asmus because I saw
0: Asmus in yeah. chat. <laughs> Jeez, he, no, i know it's been a long day. Rad graduated from Dartmouth, and so you look at what—and there was a there was an article that came out a couple of years ago about the teams hiring Ivy League talent. Chris Young, who was the GM in Rangers, guess where he went? Went to Princeton. So I understand why they would want somebody like Brad So when,
2: when, when you saw those two names, and you're right, I, you forget about his his Ivy League background. So I, I'm sure Brad Osmus is a highly intelligent guy, and you're right, he knows a hell of a lot more about baseball than me, no question. But when you saw those initial reports come out yesterday, Dana Brown versus Brad
1: Osmus, come on. It's a no-brainer. No-brainer. Yeah.
2: You're taking a guy who mm-hmm. has helped build the the organization in Atlanta that's churning out young ball players like crazy and you want to keep your player production going in Houston like they have been, I'm assuming they'd like to keep going the direction they've been going, even though they got rid of James Click because they turn out a lot of good ball players. You had to bring in Dana Brown. That was a no brainer situation yeah. there. I mean, funny
5: yeah. you know,
0: 22 is that crane was the analytics heavy in terms and so it's funny because he was into the numbers. and wasn't Crick the same way. Am I missing something or?
1: Yeah, Click was, he's a very analytical guy. And I don't know, I don't know if we'll ever really know what happened there. Sometimes it's just a clash of personalities, but it did, it felt odd to, to get rid of the guy who just helped you win the World Series. The best but, part about Dana Brown's legacy though, is
0: that he was the last, last Expos director of scouting.
4: Yeah.
0: So, fun fact there. Yep. And with him and Dusty Baker, he, he actually becomes, so D'Aaron becomes the second black GM in Astros history, and he joins Dusty Baker as becoming the only second lack general manager, manager duel in baseball history following Ken Williams and Jerry Manuel with the White Sox.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So,
0: Cool. Yeah.
1: And then so, just on the the Brett Ausmus thing in the Ivy League, if we're, you know, Dartmouth is what, fifth best in the Ivy League? if <laughs> If we're being generous. <laughs> The second division, yeah, I, yeah definitely. Okay, you, you got Harvard, you got Yale, you got Princeton, yeah, oh, and, and then Dartmouth, Cornell, Brown, Colgate, Brown, Col- yeah, okay. uh, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure, Dartmouth doesn't do anything for me. Lehigh is
0: Lehigh part of that too? No,
1: it's not. In the, the, but
2: we Le- uh, really, I thought, well, I, I thought Lehigh because they're not, they're not in the
1: Ivy League. It, it, oh, good. Okay. Well, it's well, Harvard,
2: well, Yale, Columbia, Dartmouth,
1: Brown. Prince uh, Princeton. Cornell, Princeton, yes. And Penn. Penn. Yeah, Penn. That
0: was, that was what I was thinking of. Penn. I was thinking of Penn. It's interesting. Where I grew up, it's funny, we ended the podcast with this, but growing up where I lived in, in South Dearborn Heights is Annapolis, Hopkins, Lehigh. I lived off Stanford. Next street over was Colgate. Dartmouth. Cornell? Cornell. Cornell was on the other side of Telegraph. Ah. But yeah, they, it's so funny because I always thought it was amusing that in this part of Dearborn Heights, we have all these streets named after Ivy League schools, and nobody was Ivy League educated. Not (laughs) one bit at all.
1: It was, yeah. I grew up in a neighborhood where all the streets were named after Civil War generals, and none of us were in the Civil War. Wait, in Ipsy? Really? Yeah. Sherman and Grant and Sheridan and Farragut. I don't think there was a fair game. I just never thought worst. in a million years I'd see that in Ips. Well, never mind. Nothing surprises me out there. Like, I, I was just looking a bunch of counties in Michigan were named after members of Andrew Jackson's cabinet, including Livingston County. It just so happened Michigan became a state when Andrew Jackson was president. So we're like, ah, uh, named oh, after good. the cabinet members.
0: Yeah, they couldn't think of any other names. Yeah, nice. just, yeah. yeah. So at any rate, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please check out our interviews over at Tiger Mindy Report with Justin Malloy. And Colt Keith and the and trying to improve home values. Michael, that's 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 pretty good. That's right about that. Please check out all the great content over at woodwardsports.com. We are writing wrestling. So, John's doing a good job writing some stuff from Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble is next
3: this Saturday. This Saturday,
0: next Saturday. I used to watch, I'm not gonna lie, I used to watch wrestling quite a bit. My brother and my nephew are big fans, and so is my niece. So, I, I try to keep up with it a little bit, but. All of your content over at WoodwardSports.com. Check out all the great shows. And, yes, I know there's content over there that involves chicks. You don't have to read that content, and it's not a representation of us as a complete as, as a whole. So you want to read that? Read everything else. I wrote an article about the Michigan Panthers today. So there is a they are coming back to Detroit, and they're going to play a four-field with the Philadelphia Stars. So there's a piece of history there because the Panthers beat the Stars in 1983 to win their first championship in football. Since the 1957 Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. Bobby A. Bear Bobby was the MVP and former 1981 All-American wide receiver Anthony Carter was on that team. Billy Packer passed. Oh, man. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, the, If you go to our Tiger Miley report, it's on there. The Colt Keep one is up. So that sucks. Billy Packer. If you're anybody watched a lot of college basketball, that was a, that was a good name there. So for myself, Chris. John and Yuper, unless some breaking news happens and the trade again, I, there's just something in this little mm-hmm. leaves or something happens. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.